Empire. The rise of in-game betting is getting more and more intricate. We provided the odds for the league pass team to do that, and uh, almost 300,000 picks were made uh, over four NBA final games, and people stayed almost 65% longer, which that's a beautiful stat. When you give people a way to interact with these numbers, whether it's betting, free-to-play, uh, or just put it on screen, they stay longer. That's Kelly Pratt, co-founder of NVenue, which is working for leagues and broadcasters to disseminate opportunities at lightning speed. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. When we last spoke with Kelly Pratt, NVenue was about to launch a partnership with Apple. That experience has led to more and more robust content offerings, forecasting the capability and the scope of in-game opportunity. Our guest this week is Kelly Pratt. She's the co-founder and the CEO at NVenue, which is a company that is innovating in sports using AI, a number of different in-game betting models. And last when we spoke to Kelly, there was a partnership with Apple with their rollout of Major League Baseball and how some of the products were being rolled out through that. So we wanted to do a catch up with you, Kelly. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks so much for having me, Brom. It's really exciting to be here. Um, Lots of lots has been happening in the world of InVenue, so yeah, let's let's get started. Let's uh, let's revisit first, just overarching what InVenue does. Can you tell our listeners about that? Sure, I like to call our company really supercompute for sports. We do predictive analytics, predicting what's going to happen in the next play or plays as the game unfolds, and we use that technology, which is heavily based in machine learning and AI. We use this lightning fast technology to uh, put predictions on TV to complement the game, such as with Apple TV or we and MLB Network. But really what I'm most excited about is how we're going to package together in things that we call micro bets, which is allowing fans to interact and engage uh, and make a pick on what they think is going to happen in the next place. And that's either really the best application is in sports betting, uh, but it also has some free-to-play and um fan engagement applications as well. So it's really, really exciting time in the world of predicting live sports. Uh, to be clear, your company is not actually accepting the bets. You're doing this on behalf of whatever the party would be that would be in partnership with the broadcast. Is that correct? Exactly right. We're the technology behind that, taking the, the feeds from the field and delivering the predictions in ways that uh, our customers, which would be media, Sportsbook operators or uh, free-to-play applications to use. We don't we don't take the bets, but we do provide the odds. Okay, can you um, take me through kind of the growth and genesis of the company to where it is now? That's not something you turn on overnight. So, can you kind of take me through the technology that allows you to give pretty uh, clear predictive analytics for live sports in real time? Sure thing. Uh, you know, uh, I've mentioned before, but kind of recap where. Where my career trajectory took me was uh, seven years ago, I was leading high performance compute and supercompute technology at uh, Hewlett Packard, and we were helping our clients solve things like simulating nuclear stockpiles. Um, but you know what? Uh, my passion was always sports, <laughs> and I wanted to apply a lot of those learnings into 
my, you know, for me personally to enjoy the game, which is take all that beautiful data coming from the field and do something amazing with it. So the, the technology is, is really um, machine learning on, on scads of data and that real time data. And that's, uh, we've, you know, I think my first line of code came anywhere between, I think it was around 2016. Um, and, really just sitting and watching fans, what do they do, and trying to answer that question, how can I apply the technology that predicts things like web, global weather patterns, how can I apply that to predicting what a fan that's watching the game wants to know, which is what is that, what is that next thing going to happen? Um, and I always say, like, I love, I love the use of data for things like exit velocities and, and cool things that, that we now know, but what I wanted as a fan was to say, Will Altuve hit the home run right here? Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, let me ask you a quick, just a quick question because baseball changed its rules this year and sped the game yeah. up. So, um, how did that kind of affect how you would work with Major League Baseball when they put a pitch clock and they were pretty strict about it with their pitchers? You know what's really uh, incredible to me is we honestly didn't have to change a darn thing. Our technology responded to the data as it came in. We were already fast enough. Uh, and, and the way our tech works is it, it learns over, over time. It learns patterns of the behavior. I, I call them uh, one, of the, one of the side projects and things I love to look at is how we're actually seeing thumbprints of behavior with each player in, in any sport, but in, in MLB specifically. And the data just learned week over week over week and just adapted to the new rules. We, we didn't have to change a thing and it's incredibly fascinating. So we're kicking off some side research projects with uh, universities here to start looking at, at uh, what we did learn and start taking deep dives into our predictions. But yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, of course, you know, uh, with the rule changes, there was a lot more than the pitch clock, right? There was, uh, you know, a, you know, there was enforced balls and strikes, right, for both the batter and pitcher, but, you know, they shortened the distance between the bases and only, you know, a handful yeah. of kickoffs. Like, uh, lots of things happened, and we just learned and grew. The one thing we don't predict is stolen bases, and that is the one thing that uh, if we had predicted it this past year, I think we would have seen really interesting results. But the rest, you know, we, we didn't have to change a thing, and that just speaks to the maturity of our, our technology and how, how it actually grows. Can you talk a little bit about the accuracy? I'm sure it's changed over time. Um, wh what can you tell us about what you've learned about your technology as it takes in more and more data from all these different games? You know, accuracy is is probably, um, it has been my number one focus for over two years now. And the reason is uh, not because there's a problem with it. It's because accuracy is one of those perception things that mean something different to so many. As a technologist, I would love for accuracy to mean, you know, it's this formula and this is it. But when I when I talk to you as a fan, you know, the accuracy is, you know, uh, did it happen right here? When I talk to a sports book, accuracy are things like, of all the times you said 20%, you know, translate that into, into odds, but of all the times you said 20%, did it happen? So I think our biggest achievement is, is really mapping out what accuracy is to to each audience, whether it's the broadcaster, the fan, uh, the sports book. Um, so we've we've defined accuracy at incredibly deep levels, and and I believe it's very groundbreaking work in order to explain how to 
measure and for for predicting. Now, uh, of course, we learn over time too. And and as we learned these new tools to look at accuracy, you know, we just flat out got better year over year. But that's that's how technology rolls. You always just get better year over year over year. So uh, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I could go on forever if yeah. I had a whiteboard in a different world. Uh, we'd have a, a much longer conversation. I mean, I'm a huge sports fan. You clearly are a huge sports fan. Um, I also like not knowing what's going to happen. So do you know too much? <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting is, you know, one of the things that we, uh, you know, we we put our numbers in front of millions of people through the last two seasons at Apple TV. Um, and what was the, I, I love to talk about what we learned from that yeah. and the perception of fans. Uh What's so cool about that is is everybody responded so radically differently. Uh, many, many people loved it. You know, a few people didn't like it. Some people ignored it. Um, but, you know, it's a whole new world. What was what was very common across across avid fans, casual fans, you know, all of that, people who loved it, people who didn't, was people were talking about the numbers and wanted to understand what's going to happen. What does it mean when uh, the number went from, you know, 15% to 20% uh, with a pitch, you know, what, what does that mean? And how do, how do I interact with that? And that's the next, I think that's the next set of problems to solve is to give uh, play-by-play announcers some, a better way to interact with that and fans a better way to, to answer those quick questions on, wow, what does that mean? Because as I mentioned, the thumbprint behind what we're sharing, uh, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's like, every time we look at it, it's like, we, we do we do these things called anatomy of plays within our team and we break it down and we're like, wow, that is so cool. We found that Francisco Lindor always behaves this way on an 0-2 huh. and it changes how you look at things. That's interesting. Um, so t- take me through the partnership a little bit because you, you, you perked up my attention. I'm a play-by-play broadcaster. And when you said how we get this type of information, we're inundated with a number of different data points that we can use at various times during the games. What have you learned through the partnership as you try to not only supply the information, but make it something that is useful within the broadcast? I, I think that right now, I think I think that's our, our uh, industry gap, not necessarily an in-venue gap, but helping helping you guys, you folks, really be able to uh, make sense of that and to say it's because Francisco Lindor does this, um, and that's uh, that's my personal next big achievement uh, as we, as we move move through this whole entire process. But but we learned, uh, you know, a number of announcers have had interaction time and and maybe scratching their head, why did it do that? Um, yeah. The data always is there, but we know you guys are inundated. By the way. That whole little explanation has to happen in two seconds or less That's in right. order to use it. That's right. Yeah, and we we don't want to uh, like we don't want to catch folks like you off guard. Um, that's the worst thing that we can we can do. Uh, so I now this is outside of sports betting um, and outside of free to play, but that's a, a personal passion of mine because uh, you know because it's unsolved right now. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, I, this is in the weeds, but I'm now curious because I do this for a living. <laughs> Are you preemptively alerting broadcasters to in these situations, you will see these types of data points and metrics, or have you kind of not taken that leap yet? Like that Lindor stat is something that if I knew before the game, if he gets in that scenario and I'm going to see it, it's flagged for me. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. And, and I, like I said, that's, uh, that's the beauty of what we're doing is, is like, there's so many more applications. And I, I do think that understanding those things and understanding, uh, you know, like when Steph is on the court, the next, you know, the probabilities of the next, who's going to get the next 15 points or who's going to be on a run is radically different. Or, you know, there's, there's stories behind this data. And, uh, man, when we can, when we can get that to you in two seconds and you can use it to tell fans, we, we've got a win-win. And I, I predict, um, being a predictive analytics company, <laughs> I predict that's coming in the next couple of years, Brom, but it's only, that is one of the, the problems that we only solve when we work with people like you and understand your thought process. Yeah. And so every time I run into a play-by-play announcer, I mean, I, I ran into a, at a, at a, at a Mavs game this year where we've been working with the NBA, uh, with Launchpad and, uh, we had some uh, access, uh, to go and study the data. And, and we spent a lot of time at Mavs games and, you know, I ran into Chuck Cooperstein and, you know, in the hall, I'm like, Tell me this. What do you think yeah. about this? And uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's it's a place we need to go. But what we're trying to solve here with you is no different than what we're trying to solve, um, even for sports betting. You know, as you put up a probability, as you put up these this group of probabilities, which it really turns into odds. You know, it's got a little bit of margin or juice on top of that. But you know, these probabilities turn into odds and. We're giving fans a way to to agree or disagree, yeah. which is what they want to do. And and what was so gorgeous about the learnings with Apple TV is fans want to engage with the data. They want to someone to get more and someone to answer those questions. And when we when we did the same thing, uh, it wasn't the same thing when we uh, did our NBA Launchpad program. We um, which was has been this past year uh, in our partnership with the NBA. Um, we put up these uh, same probabilities, uh, obviously for basketball now, not baseball, but we just, who's going to get the next 15 points? You know, because the NBA is a game of runs, which is what our partnership with the NBA taught us. Uh, hey, look, fans watch this way. It's a game of runs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who's going to get like the next set of points is really what fans are looking for. And it, it might be ir- irregardless of the actual score. Huh. Um, like we all knew Denver was going to win, but, Miami had these short bursts. So we put it on screen uh, and for the international league pass with the NBA, uh, Hey, would you like to predict and thumbs up, thumbs down. And, you know, over almost 80,000 people or user sessions jumped in and said, yeah, I want to predict. And, and, and we put up these probabilities just like with Apple TV of who's going to be first to get the 15 points for this particular point in the game. And, um, and, and our, our our probabilities adjusted, just like with baseball, with pitch by pitch, but with basketball, every possession changed with every, and and they simply, you know, said, oh, I think it's going to be Miami, and they, or I think it's going to be Denver, and they locked in one or the other, and just sat there and watched the odds change until the 15 occurred, and then they either won or lost. Nothing was given. It was just like little green, hey, you won, or little red, hey, you didn't lose. Want to predict again? Mm. And people stayed 65% longer. We took almost 300,000 of those particular little bets. We didn't, but we we provided the odds for the league pass team to do that. And uh, almost 300,000 picks were made uh, over four NBA final games. And people stayed almost 65% longer, which that's a beautiful stat. When you give people a way to interact with these numbers, whether it's betting, free to play, uh, or just put it on screen, they stay longer and they talk more. And it's, 
it's the next trend in our industry. That's really interesting. I mean, like when you talk about baseball or say golf, you know, you're you're shot to shot, pitch to pitch. There's all these different analytics that are going to pop up and you're putting predictions on these outcomes in that moment. I've never really thought of the NBA that way that you could put a predictive model on a segment of time. Was that something that you and venue came up with? Did the NBA ask for that? How how did that kind of materialize? Because that's a brilliant way to think about segmentation and keeping engagement. Oh, wow. It was so incredible what we did with the NBA. We cleared the slate on expectations of what, you know, like if, if we were just sports book focused only, we would probably have entered that whole thing saying, okay, the best out there today are, what is the next basket going to be? Is yes. it going to be a two made? Two? Like they're, they're dry. They're, they're not, relevant to the game it's it's just a bet it's a bet slip and when we sat down with the nba and when they picked us to do this effort and design these micro bets with them we all got this slate clean and we said how do fans watch if we can lock in on how fans are watching we can lock in on how they would bet and engage and Uh. we said the nba said hey in venue nba is a game of runs and we said interesting what's the most logical game of runs so we designed a whole suite of micro bets that's based on, uh, first of all, the, the races, but a different type of race than what anybody else is doing. It's just, here we are, the next 15. But we also designed four-minute cadences because you can keep anybody engaged for four minutes. So over the next four minutes, what's going to happen with the score or how many of this are going to happen? Then all of a sudden you're invested in that four minutes and you got something to root for that's radically different. And whether Denver's blowing away Miami at, at that particular point or Miami's on a tear, it doesn't matter. You're invested and it really paid off. And that's what we're doing with every sport. Like you, you figure out how a fan watches, what a fan is thinking. Um, you're an expert at this, obviously. Uh, but when you can lock into that, then we stop having these irrelevant, dry bet flip engagements that don't Mm. make any sense and it turns into part of the game which that's why i founded the company um back in 2018 and why why i started coding in 2015 and 16 to do this because i wanted true engagement in the sport i'm watching and it it takes freaking big tech to do that but when we get it right, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I see the the crossover for the NFL or college football easily mm-hmm. in a drive-to-drive type of situation because it is a game of momentum as well. And these are also, in general, two-minute to ten-minute segments of time where people would be invested in an outcome and not just play-to-play. Will this be a pass? Will this be a run? Who will it go to, et cetera? It's what will the outcome be? Will they punt? Will they score a touchdown? Like, I think there's a lot there. And it's that's an interesting viewpoint because most of the in-game betting that we've run into when we talk to everybody is very, as you put it, dry. Is he going to make this free throw? Is he going to get up and down? Is this pass going to be completed? And that's it. And it's just very moment to moment to moment as opposed to segmentation of it. Yeah. And that's where we're different by tech to what fans want. And it's because we're asking the question in a different way. Yeah. Um, now we, we signed a partnership with NASCAR to go develop micro bets for them for in race. You know what? There are no in race bets today. Uh, and so we're, we're applying that same thought process into 
a, a totally new sport for us. Like, and it all starts the same way. We went to Daytona. We've been going to races. We've got subject matter experts and we're breaking it down into an engineering problem, which is a whole, whole different story and very fun. But, you know, it comes down to how are fans watching? What are they actually thinking in these moments? Um, that, and that's the secret sauce. When you can turn that into what works for a fan, you, you have gold. Um, and we've got a long way to go, just like uh, it's not an eternity to go, but uh, just, just like we talked about with play-by-play announcers, with arming you guys with something that really makes sense yeah. um, and be able to explain it. We also have to be able to arm the sportsbook operators to be able to offer what makes sense. Uh, you know, in addition, like instead of just giving them, you know, I've said it before, and I, I think, you know, in one way it sounds very exciting, but it also sounds terrifying to, to the folks who have to do this. We can put out in baseball quite easily 10,000, 15,000 microbets per game. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's astounding, right? Like, yeah. can you imagine scrolling through that, through that garbage? Like that's, that's not right. But having, um, having one person pick those microbets yes. for the, my goodness, for the millions of fans watching, um, we we talked with one NFL team last year, and they said, "Wow, it would be really cool to put this up in our stadium." But you know what? We only want to put positive. I'm not going to give you the team name. We only want to put positive, right? Insert mascot predictions and and interactions up on our screen, and it's right. like absolutely. You don't want to say like, "Hey, this the, the odds of getting a first down here are like five percent." You guys like. Like, you know, so there's a, a whole bet curation aspect um, that's also coming to be able to take those 15,000 things that we're predicting and to bubble up the right stuff for the right audience. And I guarantee you from what you find interesting uh, is valid, obviously, because of your career to millions of people. But it's not necessarily what I find interesting, that's right. you know, like, and we the, the next even three clicks down into sports betting is going to be showing me what is interesting to me and to you, what is interesting to you Um, because fans are illogical and loyal and passionate and not always necessarily driven by the numbers. Um, If, you know, I desperately wanted the Astros to win in game seven the other night and I would have sat there and, you know, picked, you know, all right, you know, this is going to happen here and it might not have been logical, but it's what I want to happen. And we got to, we got to realize that too. Okay. So, all right. So last thing then, so next level for sports betting operators sounds like there is just this vast array of opportunity. What I like and what you like that would be of interest to me might be different and what their algorithms are going to figure out how to profile the things that you may have more interest in to offer that opportunity to the customer. Is that, is that kind of what you see happening here too? That, that is the ultimate goal. Absolutely. And our, our tech already does this, by the way, we already, uh, we already rank those things and sort those things. That's part of our, some of our secret sauce. But when it comes to these micro bets, we're, we're just plugging in the electricity to the house and, and starting to get the lights on. Um, but, uh, you know, and getting the operators, you know, it's, it's still, uh, I wouldn't say we're in the, um, un, you know, quote unquote first inning, but we're, you know, we're, we're marching along. It's still early for a lot of them. Uh, but, you know, it won't be long before 
we start seeing those personalizations. I, I would predict probably about a, a year out, uh, we're going to start seeing a little bit more personalization as, as all of these operators start to learn how to pull in micro bets. And, you know, we're, we're integrating our micro bets right now for, uh, uh, for some international operators uh, as we speak. And, you know, it's, it's a big effort to, to get operators to put in this whole new type of technology on their stack. And we've got other problems to solve too, uh, challenges to, to face. And that's, you know, subjects like integrity and, um, and timing and pairing it with video at, you know, the whole latency stuff. So uh, in addition to curation, this is one of the most powerful tech challenges and fun seasons of my career that's ever happened, that's, that's happened to date. So Kelly practices CEO at NVenue. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. On the next Future Sport podcast, the future of ticketing is also expansive. My sincere hope, and I think this will come true in the near term, is that terminology like primary and secondary actually goes away. Hmm. And you just referred to a universal ticket ecosystem. And there's a lot happening, a lot of which we're at the book in. Uh, but for now, you're starting to see a lot more price volatility on the secondary, yeah. variability on the secondary. That's Stu Hallberg, CEO of Logitix which specializes in the modern ticketing marketplace. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.